0: Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone whose best friends are Russian bots, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chairs are Bill Browder and Josh Browder, an entrepreneurial father and son duo. Bill is a hedge fund manager, the CEO of Hermitage Capital Management, and the author of the best selling nonfiction book, Red Notice. And his son, Josh, is the CEO of a company called Do Not Pay, which describes itself as the world's first robot lawyer. Bill and Josh, welcome to Recode Decode. We're
3: great to be here. Thank you for having me. So
2: I met Bill at a party in, in an Aspen Security Summit, where we were talking about lots of important security issues, which Bill is rather familiar. And he told me about Josh's company, which is a startup in San Francisco, correct? That's right. And we, I wanted to sort of get them together to talk about this, not just a father and son, but like where entrepreneurism right now, where investing is, where it's an important thing. So let's start first with you, Josh. Explain your company, Do Not Pay.
3: What we do is we help consumers fight for their rights. Right, okay. So um, Facebook has a team of lawyers um, figuring out how to um, mess with and screw the consumer, Mm -hmm. but the average person has no one. So we help you get out of your parking tickets, fight when there's a data breach, do all government paperwork, all the things that is really expensive, but technology is very good at automating.
2: So explain how you do that. Explain how you automate that.
3: So, for example, you get a parking ticket, mm-hmm. you go on to Do Not Pay, and uh, it asks you questions about your ticket. Based on your answers, it generates all the documents like, and finds a loophole to get you out of your parking fine. For example, problems with the signage, things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. So you have to ha- sort of document that with them. That's right. And so how did you come up with this concept?
3: So I'm was in. Um, i from the UK, and when I turned 18, I started driving, and I got mm-hmm. about 30 parking tickets. <laughs> and I couldn't afford to pay these really expensive tickets, and so I was and, writing the same letter. And I wasn't going yeah. to pay them for him. Right, okay, <laughs> yeah.
2: good. Good parenting right there. <laughs> and right.
3: I was writing the same appeal letter over and over again. And I've always loved software, and I thought this can so easily be automated. So it started with parking tickets and then morphed into everything else, and now it works in 150 different areas of so, the law.
2: So the concept of robot lawyer, I mean, I, 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 I welcome it. I have to say I welcome our robot over overlords in general. But talk about the concept, because a lot of legal stuff is, you know, a lot of people talk about AI replacing this and that and everything else, but legal stuff seems perfect in that regard.
3: It's really perfect. I don't think bots are going to be arguing in the Supreme Court anytime soon, but for something like consumer rights for a parking ticket, it's really perfect and can give people a lot of leverage.
2: So parking tickets are one thing, but when you're talking about more complex legal issues. It's different.
3: So we have this product It's called owed $500 plus and you can sue anyone in small claims court for Mm -hmm. under $10,000. So if your landlord is not returning your security deposit, you can now fight back. Most people have no idea what to do in that situation. So they have
2: to go to the small claims court. How different is from NOLO or some of the other sites that provide forms and things like that?
3: Well, this actually walks you through from start to finish, everything from the demand letter to uh, forms to a script to mm-hmm. even read in court.
2: To so, read court.
3: So you're almost a bot yourself following the instructions. Following the instructions. Yeah.
2: And so it's pay, a pay thing. So these are relatively small legal issues.
3: Yeah, but sometimes it can be even like $5,000 for a security deposit. Mm-hmm.
2: So, but, but can it morph out into a bigger kind of thing?
3: One of the biggest things that we did is we help people sue Equifax after the data breach, and <laughs> so uh, we'll go rec- through
2: that. That's, so, p- w- explain what Equifax did.
3: So, Equifax leaked the credentials of hundreds of millions of Americans, and as a result, they got hacked. They um, had credit card fraud. And so uh, everyone was waiting for this class action settlement years later where everyone, it, it now appears people won't even get like dozens of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so what we said is why not take Equifax to small claims court using technology? Mm-hmm. And when we did it, lots of lawyers said this will never work. But it times, uh, because you can't, it's very difficult to pr- for an average person to just read a script and prove negligence against a large corporation. Mm-hmm. So it was really an experiment, but it, it was actually successful. We had um, hundreds of people win thousands of dollars against Equifax.
2: Meaning, saying that they, in a small claims point of view, you have to show harm. Correct.
3: That's right. And so people were showing that they were hacked and um, terrible things that happened in their lives as mm-hmm. a result.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, what what's the big picture of doing this, besides you getting parking tickets, what's the, the, which often entrepreneurial idea comes from stuff like this. But what, what's the bigger, how can you carry it out to a larger idea of certain acts that we think of as sort of artisanal almost, that we have to hire lawyers? I, I've, I've interviewed a divorce lawyer who said a lot of this can be automated, for example.
3: I see Do Not Pay as a sort of consumer union. We have workers unions, so why mm. not have a consumer union? If we have millions of people using our service, one day we can go to a Comcast and say, you have to treat all of our customers better mm-hmm. um, or you'll face havoc.
2: You will do that. Yes. You will do that or else you'll just say we're going yeah. to unleash legal documentation on you because everybody shares the same gripes. That's right. Right. And so when you, when you th- this idea of people joining online has been lost over the years. There used to be a lot of stuff early on in the internet time when there was going to be a lot of buying together, there was going to be a lot of joining together. It's sort of uh, shattered into a million ugly little pieces for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, I think that's lost. Everyone is too separated. But if you get people back together, then the big corporations will have to behave.
2: So, Bill, So you, you have, you're a hedge fund manager. You make investments and things like that. You have a little more of a reputation
4: for other things. But Well, I, I used to be a hedge fund manager. Right. I, I guess now I would probably characterize myself as uh, Putin's number one enemy. Yes,
2: I, that's I, right. Yeah.
4: I was a hedge fund manager in Russia. I um, ended up uh, exposing uh, corruption. I was expelled from the country by Putin, declared a threat to national security. Mm-hmm. My offices were raided. I hired a young lawyer named Sergei Magnitsky to help me defend myself. He uncovered a $230 million Russian government corruption scheme, and um, he exposed it, and he was subsequently arrested in Russia, uh, put in pretrial detention, uh, tortured for 358 days, and killed Mm -hmm. uh, 10 years ago at the age of 37. And so I put aside my hedge fund business entirely, and now am a human rights activist focusing on Justice for Sergei Magnitsky and justice for other victims of the Putin regime.
2: And in terms of what you've done with that is the magnitsky ask? would you explain that?
4: So um, we couldn't get justice in Russia because the people who killed Sergei um, were protected by Putin Mm -hmm. explicitly. He actually openly exonerated them. And so we said we need to get justice in the West. And um, how do we get justice in the West? Well... The answer is that the Russians who commit these crimes, who killed Sergei and do other similar things, they do it for money. They don't keep that money in Russia. They keep that money in the West. And so we said to ourselves, if um, if they value money so much that they're going to kill people and then they want to keep it safe in the West by making it, um, putting their money at risk, that may not be real justice in terms of prosecution for murder, but it certainly puts them in a very weak and vulnerable position, and so we came up with this idea of freezing their assets and banning their visas, and I first brought this idea to Washington uh, in 2010 Mm -hmm. with uh, a Democratic senator named Benjamin Cardin and Republican Senator John McCain, and uh, of all the things that people don't agree on in Washington, the one thing they could agree on was that uh, Russian torturers and murderers shouldn't come to America Mm -hmm. and shouldn't be able to spend their money here. And in uh, 2012, the Magnitsky Act was up for vote. It passed 92 to 4 in the Senate, 89% of the House of Representatives. And it became a federal law on December 14, 2012. And this became probably the, the single biggest irritant for Vladimir Putin because he's a human rights violator and he's got a lot of assets. And this puts his money at risk.
2: So in terms of moving to do something like that, because a lot of it, you know, a lot of – there's a lot of Russian players in tech and all kinds of stuff. And obviously the Russian interference in the elections has been in the news. But this is sort of more at the heart of their issues, right? The the money.
4: So after the Magnitsky Act was passed, Putin said it it was his number one foreign policy priority to repeal the Magnitsky Act. Mm And if you remember, there's a very famous meeting in which a Russian lawyer went to Trump Tower on Mm -hmm. June 9th, 2016. Her name was Natalia Veselnitskaya. She represented the Putin regime. And she was there specifically to ask Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, and um, Jared Kushner if Donald Trump is elected. This is before he was elected. If he's elected, would he repeal the Magnitsky Act? And it was on that basis and on the basis of Putin's general predisposition towards Donald Trump and away from Hillary Clinton that he pushed for Donald Trump to become the president of the United States because at the top of his list was repealing the Magnitsky Act. And mm-hmm. so in a very weird and strange way, this, this one murder over my lawyer um, has led to the motivation for Russia to interfere in the U.S. elections.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Appreciate no,
4: <laughs> Unexpected consequences.
2: Unexpected consequences. So you were doing your own thing. You were investing and things like that. Moving away into this Area when you wrote about in Red Notice, what does that do? What does that do? To a, I mean, it's interesting to, to be able to move away and and create that. And then I want to talk about how you you know you have a son who's entrepreneurial.
4: Well, he's also a, a justice activist, right. and so um, well. So what what I discovered, um, I mean, I loved being a uh, uh an investment guy. I, I mm-hmm. loved the intellectual challenge and you know being right was measured by investment returns. And that was all very wonderful and, and very satisfying and I would and nothing wrong with it. But but I have to say that fighting for justice is literally a thousand times more satisfying than fighting for money. Mm-hmm. And um one of the things that I'm most proud of with Josh um, was that um He's found a way to combine the two in in his life and his career. He's one of the most successful young people I know. Um, He started a company. He raised venture capital to uh, fight for consumer rights, to fight big corporations. And to sort of level the playing field, and so um, I'd like to think that that maybe their little bit of parenting had something to do with that. And, right. And, uh,
2: so the concept, Josh, is that you've been—he's been doing it on a macro level. This is a major macro level, an international, global macro level, and you're doing it on the micro level. How do they fit together? Is that was that being a justice entrepreneur?
3: Well, I think it's very different to fighting Russian tortures yes, and murders. Of yes, 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 it is. Parking ticket bureaucrats. Although some
2: parking ticket people are really awful. <laughs> really.
3: But one thing I would say that I've learned from my father is that I'm never phased um, by anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, I remember waking up uh, when he was stuck in uh, Russia. Um, they were detaining him at the airport. I've seen really terrible things. And so when some lawyer or someone is after me, something that would scare the average person, really, I don't care that much.
2: Right. So talk about the idea of people's rights on the internet, because I think you're at the heart, the reason I did want to talk to you is because you're at the heart of, an, uh, of, I think, a growing feeling that the internet is controlling you, v- vice versa. And you could do this on privacy, you could do this all kinds of ways, is that you're just an object to be acted upon. And you, don't, you could, haven't been able to use the powers of these amazing technologies for yourself, except for maybe finding a date or getting your car delivered to you at the right time.
3: Yeah, I think that as we speak, people are brainstorming in every big corporation: how can you get the most money? How can you get the most data? Uh, meanwhile, as a person, you're just feeling incredibly exploited, and you need a way to fight back.
2: So, in terms of of, of creating a company, right? Now, how much money did you raise?
3: Uh, we raised four point six million in total.
2: In total, and and is your company profitable yet? No, How but, do people get paid? What Do they pay you for what?
3: So uh, most of it is free, but if you're successful in some areas, there's a subscription of $3 a month. So we have a direct relationship with our customers. And Meaning not
2: what are they paying for?
3: Paying for like some services. Mm-hmm. For example, we have this one service that automatically cancels all your free trials just like that.
2: Oh, explain yeah. that please. Please <laughs>
3: So uh, big companies use deceptive practices to yes. get your credit card. Yes, and then,
2: I understand that. Yeah. yeah,
3: And lots of people set calendar reminders, but they ultimately forget to cancel. And uh-huh. so what we've done is we created this free trial credit card that you mm-hmm. can use on all your subscription mm-hmm. free trials. And you never have to worry because when you use it, it will just cancel the free trial for you. For you? Yes. So after a month? And it's not linked to your payment service or bank account, and so it's just there that you can use on the internet. Your personal free trial credit card,
2: which doesn't have any money on it, right? Which you, you pay because yeah. it's a free thing.
3: So we figured out That's a way a to trick idea. all the big companies into That's getting a past the idea. payment screen. I just
2: had a fight with someone over this. Yes, yeah. they kept going. Well, I mean,
4: so, so it, it, for, first of all, you, you don't remember to cancel after a <laughs> month, and, and if, oh, and I if know. you do, the, these guys are—they make it difficult for you. you can, so you can't cancel online. You've got to like call up some oh, and I they know. put you on hold. I've
2: been paying for AOL since. 1996. Right, well, if, so you you, know. if you had
4: subscribed to uh, Do Not I'm Pay... I'm going
2: you, you, to. <laughs> no, not now. I'm too late. Too late. Too late for Karen no, no, Swisher. No, you,
4: you can subscribe now. It's, uh, it's open for a subscription. It's free for you.
2: <laughs> no, I understand. Thank you so much. But... I've already had a problem that... Oh, I could switch the credit... No, I'm not on a free... Anyway, let's not go into my ridiculous problems with America Online that continue to this day (laughs) 30, 20 years later. So, sorry, go ahead. So, the idea is the idea of doing things that are not necessarily in the interest of taking advantage of people.
3: We're looking at all the loopholes that exist in the world and trying to make it pro-consumer rather Mm -hmm. than pro-corporation.
2: Why do you imagine the internet has gotten so far away from that idea of consumers being the focus versus these
3: corporations? I think uh, it's all down to uh, the budget. I- I'm not sure how big Facebook's budget is this year, but if you compare that to what the average American's budget is with a negative bank account, it can explain why they can afford to hire so many people to figure this out.
2: Mm-hmm. So these are all just different things, any kind of loophole you're trying to find.
3: Yeah. Another one is we're very pro pet owner. So we have this thing coming pro out. Pro pet owner. Pet so, owner.
2: Okay. So okay. Uh, if Who's you have. not.
3: <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves dogs and cats. <laughs> and so if you have a pet, you get charged airline fees, housing fees, so we figured out a way to get you out of all of that, and that's coming out soon as well. What do you mean? Um, So we have the pet, uh, emotional support, animal classification, things like that. That's a scam, right?
2: Come on, Josh. That's a scam.
3: I think that... I have a friend who like wants to bring an octopus on board, but go ahead. move. On. <laughs> I mean, maybe an octopus, but 80% of America have anxiety, and yes. pets can be really comforting for mm-hmm. that. And so we just want to make... And this thing already exists. You have to pay like $500, so it's available to the rich. What we want to do is make these tools available to everyone.
2: I see. So I want to talk a minute a bit about entrepreneurs when we get back, like what the entrepreneur mentality is among young people now. And then, Bill, I'd like to talk to you. It's like the same thing sort of happens with... Services we use, and the Russians taking advantage of those things. When we get back, we're here with Bill and Josh Browder. They're father and son, and they have some very different and interesting things they're doing, both related to the internet.
0: Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Startups. You don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level.
2: We're back with Bill and Josh Broder. Uh, uh, Bill is the CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management, and Josh, his son, is the CEO of Do Not Pay. We've just been talking about his business. I want to get into like what it's like to be an entrepreneur today. But one of the things that you've zeroed on, even though you're dealing with sort of high-level international finance stakes, is the Russian continued abuse, use and abuse of platforms for their benefit and against the benefit of consumers, voters, and different and and to manipulate people. Can you talk well, a little bit about that because I think it does like the ability of them to do it so easily had a lot to do with how they're
4: so if you look at Russia right now, Russia uh, has got an economy the size of the state of New York. Mm-hmm. And um, the military budget is 90% less than the U.S. military budget. And it's such a corrupt country that 80% of the military budget gets stolen. So it's really 2% of the U.S. military budget. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're, they're sort of – Vladimir Putin wants to be a a, a proud, um, muscular, aggressive country. But they can't do it on a symmetric basis. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they they go out and they try to find places where they can be asymmetric. In other mm-hmm. words, that where where they can sort of hide in the shadows and cause trouble. And one mm-hmm. of the best places to do that these days – is the internet. And mm-hmm. the internet is all sort of plausibly deniable. It's all yep. diffuse. Nobody knows who's doing what to whom. And the Russians are good technologically. And when I say Russians, I should say certain people in the Russian, part of the Russian government, not all Russians are bad, but the Ru- the Putin regime is bad. And, and they're out there, you know, on, on, a, on a very, very, what I would call low-cost, high-impact basis. They're, they've got this troll farm in St. Petersburg where um, the internet the uh, research agency uh, um, internet re- and, and i i know all about that because mm-hmm. i'm one of their targets constantly mm-hmm. if you if you ever want to tweet something nice about me you'll have like 50 I'm tweets underneath on. you from the mm-hmm. troll farm from all these um, supposed americans saying saying terrible things
2: try tweeting at the see what happens but <laughs> exactly. go ahead it's, it's okay. the same
4: it's the same thing and it's the technology which um which they've mastered and the, and they've mastered it on twitter they mastered it on facebook and it's very, very difficult. It's difficult for two reasons to stop. One is there's no rules, there's no the, the legislation to say that um, people can't do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it doesn't appear as if these companies, these major social media companies, have any proper um, barriers in place to stop it. Right. And they don't seem to feel responsible. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, if, if BP does an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, they get sued for billions and billions of dollars right. for the damage they caused. Facebook and Twitter um, have caused a lot of damage. There's no question. It's acknowledged, it's been proven, um, but they're not taking any responsibility. and so until there is some well, t- they don't, don't have to. Until there is, um, mm-hmm. th- this stuff is going to go on. And and, uh, and I'm sure the Russians are all licking their chops right now, gearing up for 2020.
2: Well, what's interesting is it's, I call it the new Cold War. Like they've won, they'd lost the Cold War, and they certainly were inadequate to the task of winning it, by the way. I mean, on, I think we overstated their ability On a
4: symmetric basis, they lost it. But now mm-hmm. they're they're playing plausibly deniable asymmetry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're winning it right now. Vladimir Putin is just laughing at the chaos that he's created at all the anger, the the sort of intellectual and cultural civil war mm-hmm. that's been created with all of this stuff, which costs him nothing. You know, 100 million bucks, 200 million bucks is the cost of the budget of the Internet Research Agency and the other people that are doing this stuff. I mean, compare that to the military budget that they can't compete with.
2: Right, which they never could, which they actually never could. You, All, all you had to do was visit there to understand the difference. It's, which
4: it's was... rotting at the seams.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's been rotting for a long time. It has to be clear. Um, so, when, when you're thinking about these things, Josh, when you're cre- as an entrepreneur now, one of the things that your dad's talking about is people that have created the internet that have gotten, I wouldn't say cynical, that don't care about consequences. Talk about being a young entrepreneur now. Do you think you know, people? How old are you?
3: I'm 22.
2: Right, so you're you're a different class of than the Zuckerbergs and the and then even before that the Google guys and stuff like that. But there seems to be a change. It seems to me in Silicon Valley coming among entrepreneurs that they're thinking about the impact of what they do. Is that am I wrong about that? I just seem to be talking to a lot more entrepreneurs that have a sense of social uh, commitment that have a sense of their impact that have a sense of. What they what they're inventing matters, like how they are inventing it matters.
3: I think among the entrepreneurs, definitely. Um, however, so I went to Stanford, and mm-hmm. still the majority of so students. So you're like the
2: actual ad for an entrepreneur, right? You went to Stanford.
3: I'm not sure about that. San Hill v, yeah. Who's your VC? Um, we have a lot of VCs. Like but Andriza, probably all yeah. the Sandhill boys, right? Correct. Yeah. Straight out of Silicon Valley. So,
2: yeah, straight out of Silicon Valley.
3: So everyone at Stanford still wants to go work for Facebook mm-hmm. or some, sometimes even Palantir, things mm-hmm. like that. But the entrepreneurs Palantir definitely. defense. I would say that um, there's a lot of bad stuff being created as well, so mm-hmm. you have to fight against that.
2: So how do you think about that as an entrepreneur? Like how can we create a class of entrepreneurs? That's why I wanted to talk to you is it young entrepreneurs that have a sense like one of the things I always say when I give speeches to young entrepreneurs I said imagine and I've done this, it's not a joke, but it's a pretty good joke. Um, I said, imagine that your invention is an episode of Black Mirror and then don't make it. Like, you know, and if you can think of, like, the, te- the most terrible thing, but they never think about that. I want to get into the mentality of creators. Like, wh- how do you change that? You, know, you were trained at Stanford where a lot of entrepreneurs are trained. You're right in the heart of Silicon Valley. How do you change that dynamic among engineers to understand that one thing they could do could have an effect in Myanmar or blank, blank, you know, whatever? it is.
3: So Stanford recently introduced uh, mandatory ethics classes. Mm -hmm. I support that. And I think that entrepreneurs should always, what we try and think of at Do Not Pay is what's the worst thing that can happen with every one of the products we make. Mm -hmm. So with the free trials thing, what if like everyone starts using it, no more free trials. That's kind of a bad situation. But um, similarly with the pets thing, everyone has their pets. It's not the worst thing in the world. Mm And so I think just taking it to that next level is really important.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking of ethics, did you end up taking an ethics course? Do you, uh, you think they care?
3: I did, yeah. Um, I took multiple ethics and mm-hmm. philosophy.
2: But do you think yeah. that as an as entrepreneur, like right now the entrepreneur is, and you can't put everyone in a lump, but you really can. This is a very homogeneous group of people, like type of type of person, not necessarily, but it's certainly not as diverse as it needs to be. It's certainly not as thoughtful as it needs to be. How do you change that as a young entrepreneur?
3: I think that the good news is the market is changing it for a lot of these entrepreneurs. In the past, like the fashionable thing could have been like ad tracking technology to work on or things Mm -hmm. like that. These days, um, unless you're, if you do the slightest thing wrong, Apple will remove you from the app store and Mm -hmm. things like that. So there's a strong incentive to do the right thing as well.
2: Right, but that's a financial incentive. What about getting through to entrepreneurs, their social impact?
3: I think a lot of, uh, as a young person, a lot of um, ethics are formed in college, and so mm-hmm. just drumming it into the students during college, wherever mm-hmm. they are, if they go to college.
2: Right. And do you imagine there should be other people making decisions at these companies like that aren't necessarily, one of my things is like, you've got to have more different, kind. it can't be all run by engineers necessarily.
3: Yeah, I think lawyers are actually, although I think they're overpriced, they're surprisingly ethical people. So we need more (laughs) lawyers in Silicon Valley. (laughs) You've met a different kind of lawyer than I have. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I know, me too. I don't don't know about that. Yeah. Um, So they're going to be all replaced by AI, just in case you're interested. They can Uh, move to ethics. They can move, yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) But, but, you know, Bill, when you're talking about this, this idea of letting this stuff go, like, you know, and you could have let it go. You could have, you know, corruption is kind of like, Putin and corruption and goes together like, you know, chocolate and peanut butter, essentially.
4: Um, you know, a lot of people told me when all this stuff was happening, you know, I should just, you know, let it go, mm-hmm. go to ground, disappear, mm-hmm. forget about it. And for me, I just wasn't able to do that. And and I think that there is something, you know, you know we we come from a long line of uh, justice people. My, my grandfather, Josh's great-grandfather, mm-hmm his political philosophy I don't agree with, but he was the head of the American Communist Party during mm-hmm. the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And um, he, well, he... That's a spot to be in. <laughs> well, I mean, and he actually had probably, that the, was probably the high moment of the American Communist it Party. It was, because indeed. Because there was, um, because this, there was just such injustice where everybody was, you know, starving and, and mm-hmm. a few people had everything. And and so there's been this, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether it's genetic or cultural that, that sort of runs through our family where where um uh, everybody and uh, including Josh's little brothers and sisters everybody just feels like a immense sense of anger and injustice and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know how you teach that. I, I don't know how how it comes what's, comes around.
2: What's been the repercussions for you? For besides danger, presumably.
4: Well, for You're me, just re- like avoiding re-
2: umbrellas at all costs. Or... Well,
4: the re- repercussions have been absolutely dramatic, and the Russians have threatened to kill me.
2: They wanted you back there. I remember. They, well, they
4: threatened to kidnap me. They've gone after me using Interpol arrest warrants eight mm-hmm. times. I was arrested in Madrid last summer on a Russian Interpol ar- arrest warrant. They've. Uh, I live in London. They've applied to the British government uh, 12 times for mutual legal assistance and extradition. Um, and their uh,
2: allegations are?
4: that Well, I've been convicted twice mm-hmm. in Russian court and sentenced to 18 years in prison. They've accused me of murdering Sergei Magnitsky and murdering uh, four other individuals. They accused me of being a spy, all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's uh, basically... I know that I've gotten right to right under Vladimir Putin's skin by the mm-hmm. amount of crazy allegations they made against me, and in a certain way, I almost um, wear it as a badge of honor because um, if I wasn't being effective and and and, I, and, and they weren't feeling it, um, they would you know they probably wouldn't be doing all this crazy stuff.
2: Is there a chance that the Magnitsky Act? I mean, Trump is his pal. Like, Great. Right? Does that worry you? The, the closeness of the Trump administration to Putin.
4: Um well it, it um there's two things. There's, there's Donald Trump himself and the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump himself is complete he's off his head. Mm-hmm. And probably the most crazy thing that happened was last summer there was the first summit between mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And it was it took place uh, a couple days after the, the the indictment. Robert Mueller indicted twelve Russian military intelligence officers. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the press conference after the summit, which was by the way held in secret without any right. any people there. I recall. Um, uh, no the, one had a pen. There, uh, there was no 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 witnesses from the U.S. side. Uh, uh, and the journalist from Reuters raised his hand and said, uh, "President Putin, um, are you going to hand over the twelve uh, Russian GRU agents?" And And Putin, who obviously had been thinking about this all throughout the weekend, what his response was going to be, said, um, well, it's not so simple as that. Uh, Yes, we will, provided that um, uh, President Trump hands over Bill Browder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. And and 11 of his— uh, members of his criminal organization, which turned out to be Mike McFall, the U.S. ambassador to Russia, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Parker, the chief of staff of the U.S. Helsinki Commission that drafted the Magnitsky Act, Todd Hyman, who was an agent at the Department of Homeland Security that was prosecuting money launderers connected to the Magnitsky case, and, and a bunch of other people all somehow connected. And um, Donald Trump said, I think that's a brilliant idea. And it took him about four days to walk that back, and it was only one hour before the Senate voted 90, 98 to zero that um, none of us should be handed over. Mm-hmm. And so Donald Trump, I don't know what wh- what's going through his mind. His administration is not like that. Um, re- re- I mean, at the same time as he was considering it, the uh, spokesperson from the State Department said it was absurd. The head of the FBI said that's not gonna happen, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know what he's gonna do, but, but I'm not as concerned about the Magnitsky Act being repealed for one simple reason, is that it requires a, an act of Congress. Mm-hmm. And um, I've I've met many members of both sides of the aisle, and whether, whether people you know criticize Donald Trump or not on the Republican side, they're not going to hand over, or they're not going to they're not going to allow Russian torturers and murderers to come back into America. So I think the Magnitsky just Saudi Act, ones, but go ahead. Uh, well, actually, interestingly, on Saudi, it's, it's another story. So uh, the Magnitsky Act has now been expanded to global to mm-hmm. go after bad guys globally, right. and after the um, Jamal Khashoggi um, uh, murder. Lindsey Graham and many other Republicans were pounding the table, saying that these people should be sanctioned, going right up to Mohammed bin Salman. And in the end, the, administ- the U.S. administration sanctioned 17 Saudis on the Magnitsky Act. The one that Donald Trump wouldn't allow to be sanctioned is Mohammed bin Salman. But that doesn't mean that a you know, future government won't. And in fact, I think MBS should be happy Trump is in place because any president, Democrat or Republican mm-hmm. in the future will hand that man over.
2: Yeah, and then he could just play video games all day like he does, apparently, allegedly. That's what I understand. <laughs> anyway, when we get back, we're going to talk with Bill and Josh Browder. They are respectively the CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management and the CEO of Do Not Pay. They are also father and son. We're going to talk about sort of where entrepreneurism is going and also where some things we need to do to protect our elections going forward.
5: Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for fifteen percent off any service. That's profiverrf iver and use code VOX.
2: We're here with Bill and Josh Broder. Bill is the co-founder and CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management, and his son Josh is the CEO of Do Not Pay. Josh, where do you see, like, so you could you could endlessly do this, right? You could endlessly do all kinds of loopholes, like, moving on, like, from one to the next, correct?
3: That's right. What we want to do is rope people in with one and then get them with all the loopholes.
2: Right. And so the, the concept is sort of the, the, the way modern society is now, as we become more digitized, we've been sort of attached to... Everything we do is digital. Who are the worst offenders in this area? Is it just every part of it, or is it just analog things? Or You were you're, you're talking about attacking online services or offline services, really.
3: I think everyone is very upset about privacy, and Mm -hmm. rightly so, but the biggest problem in the world is just incompetence. The Equifax (laughs) data breach happened because they didn't use basic encryption. (laughs) And we have that, there was Capital One, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people. Explain what
2: happened there so people do not most people do know, but not everybody knows.
3: Millions and millions of accounts and then hundreds of thousands of social security numbers just released Because they didn't encrypt it properly, Mm -hmm. and um, as like a, it it takes like one Stanford computer science class to learn how to do that, and it's amazing that these corporations with billions of, um, like assets can't even do it properly, and so I think every week there's going to be another data breach, and things like that is the real. Concern for consumers.
2: So, what do you when you think about that? I mean, obviously, it's you're using it as a business opportunity, as an entrepreneur to do that. um, At the same time, as protecting people, how do you change the mentality of Silicon Valley to think like that? Because these are like, there's not that many companies like yours. There aren't. There's some that. You know where you can I suppose the closest analogy would be to VPNs where you're gonna be protected when you're surfing the internet to protect your privacy or what you're searching on so you don't get marketed to endlessly which is another big problem being marketed to endlessly yeah
3: I see it all as incentives and so if you can just punish the bad actors um, with maximum pain which is what do not pay is trying to do then eventually hopefully we'll live in a world where they hire competent people and encrypt people's data mm-hmm. and also don't spam them with ads endlessly
2: do you think that will change I I just introduced uh, Gabe Weinberg, who's the head of uh, DuckDuckGo. He's the founder of DuckDuckGo. And, you know, he's talking about why not? Why are we doing uh, behavioral ads at all, for example, you know, behave- when, when contextual ads are just as lucrative in some ways.
3: I think it's got a long way to go to change. I mean, the um, Facebook FTC fine was not really a disincentive to no, anyone. Not really. so that, <laughs> You're so kind, yeah.
2: Josh. It was a parking ticket. Yeah,
3: exactly. It I hope like they don't use s-
2: your service s- to try to get back their money.
3: <laughs> yeah, slap on the wrist. I That's think we have assholes. a long way to go.
2: Yeah. So what does that say as an entrepreneur when that happens, when a company like Facebook pays a small amount of money to, have, and then, of course, which they made up in seconds?
3: I'm a big believer in bottom-up change. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously a top-down change. Is big government coming in. Um, the government is not going to do anything. It's, it takes consumers coming together to make a real change, do you in my exp- opinion. What
2: regulation from the government would you like to see?
3: I think you should have like massive fines, like ten thousand dollars per consumer for mm-hmm. data breaches, automatically right. applied things right. like that.
2: Right. I wanted fifty billion dollars in the FDC. What do you think? I think that was just like.
3: I think that's a discount. Don't you? Yeah. Th-
2: you think that's not enough?
3: That's uh, yeah. I mean. Fifty
2: billion. They'd be like, "What? Wait a minute." I, I think it has that
3: to truly yacht. ruin these companies. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of money. So one is disincentives to do the things. Yeah. What about the, the an idea of of people investing in things that do because there is a point where i think consumers are going to control take back as they did with entertainment in a lot of ways entertainment held people hostage you had to buy 12 songs on an album you had to see this movie when you had to sit down at this point and they had total control over your entertainment watching and i think people seized first illegally and then quite legally
3: yeah. In the UK, we have this new laws coming out, I think th- yes. throughout Europe, called PSD2, which means that all your financial data is yours and every company holding it has to create APIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need similar stuff in the US, data and, portability.
2: And what about the idea, not just data portability, but yeah. the idea that your data is yours?
3: I think so. I think uh, if someone is making money off of it, then they should give you a royalty at I least. Agree.
2: Yeah. A VIG, right? Yeah. Or something like that. And why doesn't that take hold? Because they want all the money for themselves
3: besides the fact they're greedy. Yeah. There's a whole black market where you can just buy email addresses and things. It's mm-hmm. really terrible. Mm-hmm.
2: So when you're thinking about, you know, doing these kind of things, uh, you, you're exactly, the reason I did want to talk to you is because one of the things we're talking about, I, I, you kind of want to appeal to these companies to do it for, to, for the right reason. And then I'm like, you, one of the reasons for the breakup, for example, if you break up YouTube or Google, or if you break up, Into three people, whatever you do, whatever you take off of Facebook, the next morning, YouTube's got to be saying, you know what, maybe, or or there's room for someone else to say, I'm going to create a video service that actually protects kids. I'm going to create a video, a search service that doesn't track you as much. I'm going to create, like, you get in the mentality of choice so that you appeal to something that people want that they didn't know they wanted.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, for the big corporations, it will take um, them competing with each other to make this happen. So with the new uh, iPhone update, mm-hmm. the sign in with Apple, Apple. Yeah, what was do you saying, think of that? I think I'm I'm split. On the one hand, it's very anti-competitive. But mm-hmm. On the other hand, because why? Why? Because you're locking people into the Apple ecosystem, and Android is a great system as well. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, um, forcing developers to implement privacy changes is great. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Google and Facebook, I'm sure they really hate, the, they whole, hate the whole policy.
2: Oh, yeah. They hate it, which is mean I think it's good. That's yeah, why I that's think great. When yeah. they start complaining to me, the billionaires start kvetching about their poor lives. It's always a plus for me. Um, but, but in terms of entrepreneurs, and I'm not saying for good because it should be a financially lucrative thing. How do you look at this as a business? You're not doing this just because you're a nice guy and want to get people out of parking tickets.
3: Um, I think that creating an amazing service will ultimately be a great business opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if your incentives are aligned with your customers, I think that's the most important thing. For us, our subscription only starts if people save money. Right. So our thing is, how can we save the money or get them success as quickly as possible? That's how businesses should be thinking. With Facebook, the customer of Facebook is the advertiser, not mm-hmm. the user. Yes, yes, yeah.
2: we, we realize that. Um, but, but, and, and lastly, for you, when you're thinking about being an entrepreneur and raising money, it's quite a frothy environment Environment right now capital is everywhere yeah um, I always use the expression there's not enough rat holes to shove the money down What is that like as an entrepreneur right now there's so, a lot of entrepreneurs are getting too many rights for example con- complete control over the company stock like you look at the we work IPO and you say oh my god like that's sort of the the ultimate in like complete investor abuse in some ways.
3: I think they'll all come back to bite them um, ultimately uh, when the market crashes. So that is uh, one of the benefits of having like a financial family is that Mm -hmm. I don't buy into any of this bubble stuff. So Mm -hmm. I believe in like long-term success.
2: Mm -hmm. And so when you're going out as an entrepreneur right now, what is the feeling in the market that you you think is a problem, and what do you think would be a good thing?
3: Uh, There's way too much competition between the firms, and I think you should just. F- focus on the best partner mm-hmm. rather than just getting as much money as possible.
2: Right, and you yeah. you think about that. Oh, you're so normal. It's so lovely to talk to you. Anyway, and lastly, uh, let's finish up with you talking about the concept of where we go from here with the elections. What do we... How do we... Like, there's all this stuff stuffed up in the Senate right now. Uh, Moscow Mitch, apparently. That's his nickname on Twitter. <laughs> so I've read. Um, is stopping that. How do you look at those things? What do you... Is this is something that you're pushing to change?
4: Um, well, I'm not directly involved right. in the legislation i'm 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 interested in sanctions legislation freezing right. their assets. however, I'm interested in everything to do with russia and mm-hmm. and the um and the Russians have not been penalized properly. Yeah. they have not been punished and um you know, sort of like that five billion dollar FTC fine for facebook mm-hmm. um they will be back. The mm-hmm. Russians will be back, right. and they will be back um in any way they can um to try to achieve their objectives, which will be very inexpensive for them to do and and um I mean, it's remarkable. If you, think, I mean, so in 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 Holland, for example, they were worried about um, Russian interference in their elections, mm-hmm. and they had started to automate their ballots. And what do they do? They went back to paper ballots. Right. And it's been determined, whatever whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it's been determined that Russia interfered with the U.S. election. They interfered um, with with um, social media, and they actually tried to get access to the voting machines. Yes. And so. It's illogical and inconceivable that there is not a uh, consensus, a hundred percent consensus, that we need to tighten that up. And the fact that we haven't is is absolutely shameful. And there will be more interference in the future. And 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 the trouble with that is that it could cut any different way, right? And yeah, the so, so, could so, decide. So one l- week let's just say that like... Trump loses the next mm-hmm. election. He'll then say, "Oh, it was Russian interference," and he's right. not going to accept the result. And right. so it, it's an absolutely you know, the moment that people lose confidence in the democratic system, um, that's the, the, the truly terrible third world situation that we'll have to deal with. And that's something that that um, will be just inconceivably bad for the future of this country.
2: So what has to happen to sort of block the Russians?
4: Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward that um, on the social media side, if someone were to change the rules to say that, you know, you can't have a Twitter account unless you're a person. You don't have to have like say who you are. You just have somebody has to have a, a record that you're like a real person, mm-hmm. and then real people can say whatever they want. But mm-hmm. like fake people, bots can. Yeah. And um, I would argue that um, Facebook shouldn't sell political advertising. I would argue the same. I mean, I mean, it's not. It's how much money is enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just stop it. You yeah. know, um, and so because anyone can do political advertising, and right. and and they have and they do, and then I think that unless Ah, uh, there's confidence that in these electronic ballots, just go back to paper ballots. Mm-hmm. Be done or with both.
2: it. both. Both. Microsoft is proposing both an encrypted uh, digital ballot, and which has a, a accompanying paper ballot.
4: that you it's, have uh, to th- match up. This is this is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. But the the um, indigestion of the legislative system, and the fact that there like no one's even willing to consider this, is is in, in Congress. Is uh, well, I should say, in the Senate, mm-hmm. the, Con- the House actually passed the bill. Senate didn't right uh, hence that,
2: Moscow Mitch but
4: move along Moscow Mitch I mean even <laughs> some of my young children are like chanting Moscow Mitch I mean it, <laughs> it's, it, it's do
2: you do that with them no I'm kidding
4: <laughs> so all that stuff needs to be fixed and it's not being fixed and we're going to all be wondering what what these guys were up to when the results come in in 2020
2: mm-hmm. so what is your what are you focusing in on now
4: well, from from my perspective...
2: Protecting the Magnitsky
4: Act. Well, yeah. and the, the Magnitsky Act is protected. My, from my perspective, um, there's two things I'm doing. One is to um, get other countries to pass the Magnitsky Act. We've mm-hmm. got the Magnitsky Act passed by the United States. We succeeded in getting a Canadian Magnitsky Act, a British Magnitsky Act, an Estonian, Latvian, and Lithuanian Magnitsky Act. The island of Gibraltar and Jersey have Magnitsky Acts, but um, the big prize is Europe, the EU. Mm-hmm. The Russians all travel... To the south of France, to Sardinia I and do Italy. I like those,
2: those villas there.
4: The Marbella in Spain. Mm-hmm. And, and they love that stuff. And if we can get an EU Magnitsky Act and those villas will get seized, they won't be able to travel. They'll be stuck, sentenced to life in Russia. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and that will be a huge, huge thing. It's sort of halfway there. Uh, the European, some of the good European countries um, are, are pushing it forward. Uh, Hungary... Um, which is uh, led by a man named Viktor Orban, who's a buddy of, of Putin, mm-hmm. is trying to stop it. Um, you got other countries like Italy, where you have Salvini, who is mm-hmm. the um, uh, best friend of Putin, who's also trying to stop it. And he so it's, 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 down, it's, it's, a struggle, it's a struggle in the EU, but we're, that, that's our big thing. The other thing we're, which we're trying to do is we figure out who got the money, who got the $230 million from the corruption scheme that my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, exposed and was killed over. And we found that money... And in going through a lot of different countries, through a lot of different banks, and we are working with law enforcement in 16 different countries to have the bankers prosecuted and the money frozen. For the guys who value money more than human life, those people, when their assets get frozen, get very upset, and that's a good thing.
2: Well, good. All right. Thank you so much, both of you. I love when a son son and father do social justice and and use the internet for profit. and fun. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Again, Josh Browder, his company is called Do Not Pay. um, And I'm going to use it for a couple of things now that I realize I can do that. And Bill is still working on these issues around Russia and their... Complete abuse of financial systems, the internet, et cetera. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You yeah. can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Bill and Josh, where can people find you online?
3: A Twitter at Bill Browder and Twitter at JBrowder1.
2: Okay, great. And I'm going to praise you to see what happens. And then I'll say Strasbyche to all of them. And, you know, that's what I do. There you go. I was talking to a a reporter who was responding to Russian bots. And I actually texted him, like, those are Russian bots stop talking to them because they won't respond properly or sometimes they do
4: oh they go into long conversations they, they can so, yeah you know, they're up all night in St. Petersburg I know, you know. <laughs>
2: literally you can catch them there's ways to catch them with certain words you can use anyway if you like this episode we really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend and make sure to check out our other podcasts Recode Media Pivot and Land of the Giants just search for them in your podcasting app of choice thanks also to our editor Joel Robbie thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode I'll be back here on Wednesday tune in then